Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my finest friends. Welcome to the second episode of Season 8 of the Tom Petty Project. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Before we dig in, I wanted to shout out a few podcasts that you might be interested in checking out. Um, first of all, over on the Deep Dive Podcast Network, definitely check out And The Podcast Will Rock with my friends Corey and Mark, uh, who are covering the Van Halen catalogue. Uh, you should also check Corey's show, Backtracks Aerosmith, uh, that he co-hosts with John Mariano and my former guest, Scott Haskin, um, as well as Corey's third show, Backtracks Theme Music. They're all shows that I listen to every week and just absolutely love them, genuinely. Um, also, please check out the Honest and Unmerciful Record Review podcast with my pal Pete Nestor and his bestie Brian Ruskin. Uh, they just did a two-parter covering the behemoth that is Abbey Road and did a superb job of dissecting it. Uh, if you just want to drop in on Two Brothers talking about anything that comes to mind, please check out the Sean Geek and Fast Brett podcast. Uh, they're just, you know, they're just great lads um, and insanely talented musicians too. Um, if you want more music, check out the Misty Music podcast hosted by David and Lucy. Each week they pick an album that the other person hasn't heard and they dig into it. Um, I've discovered a few great albums already on that show and I love the chemistry between the two of them. Um, another one that's newish to me is called Weirdies. So if you listen to the first episode, you'll learn the wonderful reason for the name of the show, and which is hosted by the brilliant Paul Moody, where he digs into old horror movies. Now, I'm not a particularly a horror fan, to be honest. I don't love being scared. Uh, but the older ones tend to be a little bit less scary, and frankly, better written than the jump scare slasher genre. Um, so it's been fun going back and watching some old movies and then listening to Paul talk about them. The last one I want to shout out is the amazing Eric Senich, who hosts the Booked on Rock podcast. Every week, Eric talks to an author about a rock and roll or generally music book that they've written. Um, he also has on other guests, and I've been lucky enough to be a guest on his podcast to talk about the many Tom Petty books uh, that are out there in the world. Eric was the guy who also put me on to the brilliant Ivan Anderson, uh, and he's also a major contributor to the Van Halen News Desk. His musical knowledge is frankly intimidatingly broad and deep. You know, if you want to talk rock and roll with someone, talk to Eric Savage. Anyway, I just wanted to shout out some friends and other podcasts that you should listen to, but we should go back to the reason why you listen to this podcast. If Free Falling opens Full Moon Fever with a right hook, track two hits you with an uppercut and puts you on the canvas. We're talking, of course, about Tom's anthemic battle cry, I won't back down. next song to is a guy named John Scott. You don't know him, but six weeks before our first record was dropped by ABC Records, he went to the radio stations with a vengeance and brought that sucker onto the charts. And we... And it wasn't easy. We're forever grateful we're going to dedicate this to him tonight. This is I Won't Back Down. Those were the words that Tom spoke at his very last live performance with the Heartbreakers on September 25th, 2017 at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles. Such a beautiful touch to honor his friend in this way during the last night of the 40th anniversary tour. Of course, he didn't know that this would be his last performance, but the band had been considering whether or not to continue touring, and even if Tom hadn't passed away uh, a week later, this could still have been the last performance of this song that we, had, we would have had. The reason that I've started this episode with this clip is that before we start talking about the song, we should talk about why it's such a huge anthem. Last week's episode covered another gigantic anthem in free falling, but 
where that song is a flight of fantasy with a big push into the chorus, I Won't Back Down has anthemic bones. It resonates across generations, nationalities, class, gender, race. You know, most people can relate to suppression or oppression, and the song has naturally become a rallying cry for sports teams, artists, and more problematically, politicians. You know, I don't like to reference the Big Orange Baby in a podcast, but of course, when Trump used the song in his 2020 campaign, the Petty Estate issued a cease and desist letter stating that Tom Petty would never want a song of his used for a campaign of hate. He liked to bring people together. And this speaks to the other quality of this song. It really is a unifier. The Florida Gators have, since 2017, famously sung the song during the break between the third and fourth quarters of their home games. And when the song is being roared out by 88,000 impassioned Floridians, the explicit I becomes an implicit we, and the song transforms 88,000 people into one formidable whole. The only other song I can think of that has this effect on this scale is We Are The Champions. Now, that song and its companion piece, We Will Rock You, however, were specifically crafted to be stadium anthems, big sing-along things, um, where the story behind the writing of I Won't Back Down is far simpler and far less deliberate. In conversations with Tom Petty, Tom tells Paul Zolo, while we were mixing Free Falling, we wrote I Won't Back Down. Jeff and I did, in a little booth in the studio. I could actually see into the control room. I could see them working on the mix. So we went in next door where the piano was and came up with that. We came out really excited. It was hard to keep our mind on the mix because we already wanted to cut this other song. It's quite the way to spontaneously come up with a lead single for an album that would eventually reach number three on the Billboard chart. Tom goes on to say, I played the piano, and Jeff had the melody for the verse, and then I came up with the main riff. We got together, and with all this synergy, we pretty much finished the song, all but one line. And we'll come to that one line later. But without further ado, because there's been quite a lot of ado to this point, uh, let's get into the song. So this is a guitar song. Well, guitar and vocals, but this is a guitar song, no question. Uh, like Free Falling, there's a, a soft synth pad that underpins the whole thing. And last week I used the expression sonic glue to describe the synths on that song. You know, I must have stolen that expression from somewhere or someone. I'm sure it's just percolated into my brain from someplace else. But my friend Pete Nestor from the Honest and Unmerciful podcast commented to me that it sounds like a great band name. So you know what? Maybe we'll start a long-distance musical collaboration, and that's what we'll call it. What say you, Pete? Um, but again, the guitars are where the hooks are in this track. To borrow a line from Prince, Mike Campbell's sly guitar tone is filthy cute, and baby, he knows it. It's such a simple, restrained part that just kicks the song off on exactly the right note. The rhythm guitars uh, are panned left and right, and there are two separate guitar parts played you know, very slightly differently and with slightly different tones. Uh, and this use of stereo mixing works really well here and adds a width to the song that it would lack if there was only one guitar part. Uh, a very simple descending riff that starts on the E minor down to D down to G is the, I mean, that's basically most of the song, right? Uh, the verse, the solo, apart from the chorus, it's the same progression. But by starting on that minor sixth instead of the root chord, we get that really moody atmosphere that the, you know, the verses and the opening of the song have. And again, like Free Fall, and we have a combination of live and programmed drums here. The metronomic hi-hat is certainly programmed, and I think the kick probably is too. You can tell the cymbals are live because, you know, back in those days, sample cymbals really didn't sound all that great. You'd hear them a mile off. Um, the snare, I'm pretty sure, is played live because, again, uh, on those snare and tom fills into the chorus, you can hear the difference in the attack and decay as it, as it builds. Um, the bass line for the track never changes the entire way through each section, and it's just it's a really simple muted bass line playing the root notes. Nothing extravagant at all. Not even any sort of slides or bends like you got in, um, in free volume. The intro is incredibly short too. Nowadays, the lyrics to a pop song come in within the first six or seven seconds, but back in the 80s and 90s, you were still allowed to have an eight or 12 or even 16 bar intro, and no one would get bored and turn off the song. But this song cuts to the chase immediately. 
We only get four bars and we're straight into the first verse. And again, lyrically, it hits the mark right away. Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. <laughs> it just repeats the title of the song basically twice. We've talked a fair bit about Tom's ability to write very economically. This song is probably, might be the best, if not one of the best examples of doing an absolute ton with very little. Uh, through this first verse, the bass thumps out those root eighth notes. The drums are playing a razor straight backbeat. And the electric guitars are again just marking the chord changes without adding in too much. There are no sort of little interstitial fills or licks going on. It's just pretty straight. You know, there's a slight change on the second part of the verse where Tom sings, You can stand me up at the gates of hell, where you hear some brighter sort of treble accent notes. But more or less, this is a very safe, familiar groove that we find ourselves in and we stay in. We then get those, you know, the eighth note, Tom and snare notes, four of them, which lead us into the chorus. And this is where the song just explodes. There aren't any big crunchy power chords here. Rather, we get acoustic, possibly 12 string, um, and a beautiful arpeggiated open fifth chord that rides over top. We still have the other electric guitars in there, which stab on the harmony, I won't back down, response vocal. And so, you know, there's a lot of guitar going on in this song. That's why I said it's a guitar song. It's a lot of layered stuff in here. Um, but it never sounds cluttered or overblown, just rich and warm. And the other thing that propels the chorus, obviously, is the sensational multi-part harmony vocals, which accompany Tom's brilliant lead line. These vocals were provided by Tom, Jeff Lynn, Heartbreaker, Howie Epstein, and a guy named George Harrison, who you may have heard of. The effect of all four voices together is this euphoric surge of harmony and passion. In a 2010 interview with Mojo magazine, Tom says, At the session, George sang and played the guitar. I had a terrible call that day, and George went to the store and bought a ginger root, boiled it, and had me stick my head in the pot to get the ginger steam to open up my sinuses. And then I ran in and did the take. Again, it's incredible to think that this exquisite vocal was done while Tom was ostensibly sick. But in addition to playing Medicine Man, Harrison would also provide a key piece of honesty that would also change the song for the better. Where Tom sings, there ain't no easy way out, he recalls that the original line was, I'm standing on the edge of the world. What? Uh, Harrison's comment, according to Tom, was, what the hell is that? Surely there's got to be something better than that. So Tom came up with, there ain't no easy way out. And man, it's a much better line, right? I think everyone can agree that. Uh, the song is one of only three contributions that Heartbreakers, other than Mike Campbell, make during the Full Moon Fever sessions. According to Tom, Howie wasn't keen at all on free falling and asked Tom if he really needed him to play in it. Tom's response was, if you don't like it, I don't need you. In conversations with Tom Petty, Tom suggests that this was the moment he decided that this would definitely be a solo album. You can understand why his bandmates, Stan Lynch, Howie Epstein and Ben Montench, would be irritated by their friend and band leader choosing to record with someone else, but... For Tom, working with Jeff Lynne would have a seismic and long-lasting impact. As Tom tells Paul Zolo, Jeff was just a genius in the studio. He made things that had seemed really difficult seem so easy all of a sudden. He taught me a lot. A lot about singing, a lot about harmony, a lot about arranging, everything. Now coming out to the chorus and into the next verse, there's an addition of a lightly strummed acoustic guitar in the mix. Not too much change, just a little more texture to the part we already know. And heading into the second chorus, we again get those brilliantly dragged cymbals on won't back down, so he just bends those words beautifully. And after this chorus, we get the guitar solo, which is played over the verse chord progression. Again, just a beautifully understated solo from Mike, which definitely sounds more crafted than improvised. In Warren Zane's biography, Petty, Mike says, I don't usually work out a guitar part in advance. I put the track up, get a sound, and start playing along with what I'm hearing. Jeff doesn't do that. He works out a part. We needed a guitar part here or there, and Jeff would go home and work out parts. He'd come in the next day and say, have you got any ideas for this? And I didn't have any ideas until I was playing along. So he'd go, well, I have a couple. Mike then finishes by saying, by the second song we did, you better believe I came in with some ideas. Brilliant. Brilliant. 
Folks, it's time for some petty trivia. Your question from last week was this. Westside Pavilion, which is the mall featured in the video for Free Fallen, is now named Westside One and used to mainly house which tech giant? Is it A, Microsoft, B, IBM, C, Google, or D, Amazon? Westside Pavilion is now named One Westside and is now home to... Google. The site was originally occupied by a mini-mall known as Westland and a freestanding May Company building that was later incorporated into the mall. Part of the mall also occupied the site of the Pico Drive-In Movie Theatre, which was located there from 1934 to 1950 and is considered only the fourth drive-in movie screen in the United States and the first in California. The Westside Pavilion was designed by the Jurd Partnership, the coordinating architectural firm of the 1984 Olympic Games, with a bold modern design of orange, lavender and green accent colours in geometrical shapes evoking a Parisian shopline street, blah, 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 blah. It was constructed at a cost of $90 million and opened on May 31st, 1985. Now, as well as being the location for parts of the free-falling video, it also featured in the 1995 Alicia Silverstone movie Clueless uh, and TV shows such as Dexter, Modern Family, and Chuck. But the free-falling video is still the main reference point for most people when thinking about this location. Your question for this week is this. I Won't Back Down was the second song covered by Johnny Cash on his third American Recordings album. Which of the following artists was also covered by Cash on this record? Was it A, Neil Diamond, B, Soundgarden, C, Nine Inch Nails, or D, U2? Okay, back to the song. Um, after the solo, the song repeats the chorus twice, replete with those glorious harmonies and a ton of guitars, and a simply wonderful ending. I can guarantee you that 99.99% of songwriters and producers, if they were doing the song with this ending, would add a big crash cymbal and a kick drum hit, along with, you know, a sort of a big brazen distorted guitar chord. And probably 50% would have just faded the track out. What we get instead is the final root G chord on electric and acoustic guitar, with Tom's final down brought up in the mix slightly to really punch it home. Very, very clever. Lyrically, this is one of Tom's least dense songs. I mean, it's also repetitive in the sense that he sings the line, I won't back down, you know, over and over again. I think, I think he sings that one line about 9, 10, 11 times or something. Uh, but the lines that separate the repetition add so much to the song that it never feels like it's, you know, it's never feel like it's getting too much or it's, it's overdone. You know, you can stand me up at the gates of hell. I'll keep this world from dragging me down. You know, I know what's right. I got just one life in a world that keeps on pushing me around. So there are all these, you know, the, 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 it's two parts to it, right? So it's the, it's the negative and the positive. So there's things, bad things are happening, but I'm going to push back against them. And I'm going to keep going. And then the chorus, hey, baby, there ain't no easy way out. So I've coached you soccer now for the better part of 16 years. And one thing I've always told my players is that bravery is not about never being scared. It's about being scared, but doing something anyway. And I can't remember if I've said that before on the podcast, but hey, a little repetition is okay, right? Uh, the sentiment really does apply here, though. There ain't no easy way out, but I'm going to stand my ground and I won't back down. It's a line so simple, you almost can't believe that no one else came up with it before. For his part, Tom wasn't sure about putting the song out because the lyrics were so unambiguous and direct. 
having been the subject of an arson attack two years previous, which he and his family could easily have perished in, uh, Tom's pushback against his attacker is an easy association to make with this track. Luckily, George Harrison came to the rescue again. In a 2005 Billboard interview, Tom explains, it was George that put it over the top. He took me aside and said, this is really good, I really like this song. And then I thought, well, if all of them like it, I'm going to put it out. And despite their initial misgivings about Tom taking on a solo project, the Heartbreakers would go on to play the song almost every night in concert after its release. The 645 times it was played live by the Heartbreakers, according to the setlist.fm at least, uh, makes it the joint third most frequently played track in the catalogue. It's also been covered live by dozens and dozens of artists, you know, from Bon Jovi, Pearl Jam, Zach Brown Band, Katie Tunstall, Imagine Dragons. The song's also been recorded as a cover over 60 times by various artists, including Lucinda Williams, of course Johnny Cash, and rather surprisingly, Sam Elliott, who sings the song in character in the animated movie Barnyard. Well, I won't back down No, I won't back down now, if you haven't seen the movie, I'd recommend giving it a go and waiting for that part of the story. It's superbly done, and Elliot, you know, he sort of talks things as he's most definitely not a vocalist, but it's the rawness of the emotion in that version that works. So I'll leave links to that version and maybe Lucinda Williams' version in the episode notes. The video for the track features not one, but two former Beatles. So along with Tom, Jeff Lynne, Mike Campbell, and, of course, George Harrison, Ringo Starr sits in on drums, despite it being Phil Jones who actually plays on the studio version. This little edition of Ringo provides a bit of levity um, because he's clowning around with a globe and he's kind of throwing silly winks at the camera. Um, he also clearly hasn't actually learned the drum part fully for the video shoot, as several times he's playing cymbals that simply aren't in the mix. I love that that was left in, though, and you, you sort of get this odd mix of a very powerful song with a very playfully whimsical video. George Harrison just leaning on Jeff Lynne's shoulder, for example. So to finish up here, we can't really talk about the song um, without talking about, in quotes, the Sam Smith incident. Um, in 2014, Smith released his number one hit, Stay With Me. And comparisons were very quickly drawn with the melody in the chorus from his song and the chorus in I Won't Back Down. Now, if you've listened to them, it's as clear as day. It's unbelievable that this ever got through the door. Uh, Smith claimed that he had never heard I Won't Back Down. Being a 22-year-old musician at the time he wrote it, it's a little bit hard to believe that claim. Um, but after Tom's publishers contacted the Smith camp, an agreement was quickly reached to give Tom and Jeff Lynn a 12.5% songwriting credit for the track. Tom, for his part, was completely understanding of the situation, saying, All my years of songwriting have shown me that these things can happen. Most times you catch it before it gets out the studio door, but in this case, it got by. Sam's people were very understanding of our predicament, and we easily came to an agreement. Such a classy way to approach the issue. Okay, Pettyheads, that's it for this week. I wrote most of this episode on my 50th birthday, and hitting a milestone like this seems to have put me in a bit of a reflective mood. So in some ways, it's quite fitting that the song I'm covering today is I Won't Back Down. As it does with so many people, this song really resonates with me in lots of different ways and has become part of my sort of, I don't know, general outlook on life. But for me, it's, it's less a combative thing and more about holding firm to certain principles. Loyalty, decency, humility. All big words and big ideas generally, but they are important and they're important to me. Maybe this isn't a unique association that I'm making, but it's one I feel keenly and one I think is expressed more concisely than in any other song I've ever heard. A lean two minutes and 56 seconds of pop perfection, I Won't Back Down is, of course, a 10 out of 10. 
The Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network, so go check them out, folks, on Twitter, at Deep Dive Podnet. I threw a few names out um, of other podcasts that you can listen to also uh, at the start of the episode. Um, also, you can check out my other podcast, Seaside Pod Review, a Queen podcast on the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Uh, and then another show coming up with my friend Corey Morissette from The Van Halen Show. A little more information about that when I have it for you. Um, don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Tom Petty Project, and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. Go follow, like, subscribe as applicable, and again, you know, leave a review if you like, or a rating or something. Um, but most importantly, just keep talking to me on social media. I love chatting with you guys, um, whether it's on my page or in one of the Tom Petty groups. It's great to talk Tom Petty always. Uh, the Tom Petty Project is not affiliated, though, with the Tom Petty Estate in any way. Uh, and when you look at Tom's music, please visit the official YouTube channel. Um, go to Spotify, Apple Music, you know, Amazon Prime, all these places where you can get um, official music. Uh, if you're looking for merchandise, go to TomPetty.com. And you know what? You can check out TomPettyProject.com for some merch that I've got up there. Uh, don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook. If you are not already a member, they're very good fan communities. You know, we're spending a bit of time in. So until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about track three from Full Moon Fever, Love is a Long Road. Bye-bye.